for his people, for us to even be considered the fact that we are a part of God's flock and God himself is our shepherd. Gives you a completely different view of what some may consider the hand of God working in their lives. I did an assignment when we were going through the Masters of Divinity program at ORU and the professor had us take out a piece of paper and, and he said, I want you to to take this piece of paper and I want you to write an image, just draw an image, even if you're not an artist, and I'm, I'm certainly not an artist, but the, to the best of your ability, portray in an image on the paper your view of God at certain stages in your life. So as a child, how did you view God? As a teen, how did you view God? You know, as a, as a young adult, did it change? And then finally now that, that you're a seasoned adult, how, what's your image of God today? It was so striking to me that, uh, that, that most all of us, <laughs> clearly we must have all been kind of raised in a similar religious culture because most all of us, our first thing, when we think about God as a child, we just sort of like put a cloud, like something floating out there. But then when we got to the teen, the teen years, almost all of us drew an angry face. Like my view of God as a teenager was that God was just angry. I mean, like he's a hitman, like, like... Like he's out to get us. And it's sad that so many people, and I've, I've discovered this, I mean, thankfully my view of God changed. It, it changed somewhat in my, in my it, it, he was less angry with me all the time, but I was still um, going to go to hell a lot. It was only until I got into my 30s that, I, that a shift took place in my life where I suddenly realized that I may not be perfect, but I am forgiven. And I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. At least he's still working on me. And he's not mad at me all the time. That I mean, I may frustrate him a little sometimes. You know, it's like, when are you going to learn? But I, don't, I don't know if, he, if God thinks that way, but there's one thing I do know is that, is that God isn't angry with us. 
I mean, even Jesus on the cross prayed, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I mean, to be compared to sheep, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about sheep, but there's a couple of things that that I do know, and one thing that I, I know is that they completely rely on the shepherd. And another thing I know is they ain't all that smart. Therefore, they completely rely on the shepherd. I do know that, that you don't drive sheep. I know that you lead them. And so there are some things about the fact that we have a good shepherd and he doesn't mind taking on this lowly role to lead us into green pastures and beside still water in order to restore our soul, that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we think about God as our shepherd, we, we must look at it through that particular lens that, that the song is really true that we sing as children. Jesus loves me, this I know. I don't think very many of us in our teen years, in that class at least, I don't think very many of us believe that he, he loved us as a teenager. Felt like he was angry with us. It is astonishing to me that the Almighty God would have a shepherd's concern for us. And so the image here, that God's concern for us causes him to provide what we need to survive and thrive. And we look at the life of David and we recognize that He had some good days and he had some really bad days. Don't you love that about the Bible? It doesn't just paint the heroes of faith in a good light all the time. David had some moments where he shined, but there were moments in the story where it was very dark. And yet he had this shepherd idea of God in his life. And so to me, it is fitting that the shepherds, that the angel would go to shepherds. Because the symbolism is important. Christ came to minister to and deliver the downtrodden. God is interested in our status, not our status symbols. What do you mean by that? Well, we all have a status of life. How's it going for you? We all have a status of life that's going on. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes it's raining. Sometimes the the sun is shining. We We all live in particular statuses of life. And that's what God is interested in. He's he's looking at us as our shepherd. 
and he's, he's speaking life over us in our life that no matter what status we find ourselves in, he is there. We used to sing a hymn, he is there all the time, waiting patiently divine. Status symbols don't mean anything to God in that regard. Oh, well, you know, when you get good, then you'll get God, right? I've had so many people through all these years of pastoring, I've had so many people come to me and say, you know, Pastor, I'll come to church when I get my life straightened up. I'm like, how's that working out for you? I mean, don't you know we're all messed up? I mean, is it, is it too painful to admit that we really get God in order to find some goodness? I mean, that would be like saying, I'll go to the hospital when I get well. What's the point? Now you go to the hospital because you're sick. Hospital invites sick people in. It's messy. It, 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 it tends to, to those who have need. And, and, and we, don't, we don't come to God with our status symbol and say, well, look what I've done. Look at how good my life is. I, I deserve your touch in my life. I deserve it because I've worked so hard to be good. I deserve to get God. And yet the angels went to the downtrodden, the lowly, the shepherds. Those whose society would say didn't deserve it. You know, I, I think in, in some sense, and just me reading between the lines, if you'll give me that pleasure today, I, I think in a sense they were, yes, they were astonished at, at, at what the angels had declared and what these shepherds were saying, but don't you know there was probably just a little bit of astonishment that the angels went to the shepherds? Like, who are you to deserve this? What have you done to deserve this? I've done nothing at all. In essence, the good shepherd, and I, I, I like this, this line, I, 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 when, I, when I typed it out, I thought, that's, that's a pretty good line. That's a keeper. In essence, the good shepherd was visited first by his own kind. Shepherds. Like... It was fitting that shepherds came first. Kings came later. Pastor Trent's going to cover a little bit about that next week, but but I uh, I'll mess up your nativity scene now. Um, the wise men, the magi, uh, did not show up to the stable, right? Okay, so we'll just that happened a little while later. Yeah, he would be visited by kings, but not that night. 
that night he was visited by the lowly. Another part of the symbolism here that to me is important is that God will meet you where you are and not where you're going. I mean, aren't you thankful today that God is willing just to show up in our field? That, 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 that God is willing just to step into right where we are and be everything we need right where we are. And we don't have to rise on some ladder of acclaim in order for him to show up and say, Hey, don't be afraid. I got good news. And that gives us hope. Something else about these shepherds that I think is important. The Mishnah or the Talmud tells us that sheep that were intended for daily sacrifices in the temple were fed in the Bethlehem pastures. Bethlehem being a suburb of Jerusalem, it's, 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 not, it's not that far of a drive unless you feel like you've been kidnapped. Then it becomes a very long drive. I went to Israel and we had a day off where we were just on our own and we weren't on the charter bus and we decided that we would go and walk the old city of Jerusalem without the tour guide and all that. Just walk it, just go wherever we meander, where we wanted to meander. And so we went out. There was four of us, four of us pastors, all from Oklahoma. And uh, we walked out and um, hailed a taxi, right? First one in line come, picked us up. We all got in the car. And we had been in Jerusalem for three days or so, so we kind of knew the lay of the land, knew which direction the old city was from the hotel, which was just maybe a mile um, to what would be the northwest of the hotel. And uh, we had been to Bethlehem as well during that time, so we knew that Bethlehem was from the hotel was more toward the south, northeast, southeast. And so we knew that when we left the hotel that we had, to, we had to go this way when we got on a certain highway. Well, we get in this uh, taxi cab uh, with this um, gentleman driving the cab, and he was um, not Israeli. He was, an, he was an Arab. And as you know, uh, the, the Palestinian territory reaches into, into Bethlehem. So um, Bethlehem is extremely... Uh, Palestinian and um, and so we leave and we tell him we want to go to the Lion Gate we want to go to the Lion Gate that's where we want to go we want to go to the Lion Gate and he said okay Lion Gate Lion Gate Lion Gate Lion Gate we want to go to the Lion Gate and when we got to that highway that you go either this way to Bethlehem or you go this way to the old city we we, we uh, he went this way and we went no 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 we want to go to the Lion Gate the Lion Gate he says, yes, yes, we're, we're going to go to the Lion Gate. We went, 
this isn't the, toward the line. We'll go to the line gate, line gate. We can't, and so then we just kept going toward Bethlehem. And it was like, we want to go to the line gate. He says, yes, we go to the line gate. And, and then we passed through. They just flagged us through, through the checkpoint into Bethlehem. And at this point, four Oklahoman pastors have decided that we have been kidnapped. We're like, this is Bethlehem. Yes, Bethlehem. No, but we want to go to the Lion Gate. Yes, Lion Gate. And then he pulls up to what was clearly his family's souvenir shop where there was about 50 other taxis. And he says, yes, get out and go buy something. And we're like, if we don't buy something, we're not going back. And all these, all these taxi drivers, they were all in one room smoking cigarettes. While all these poor American tourists were wandering around this gift shop thinking, I've already bought all the souvenirs I was going to buy. What am I going to buy? After we all bought our stuff, he came back out. He says, okay, let's go to the line gate. And he took us to the line gate with our newly acquired souvenir. That was funny. Not very far drive unless you feel like you're getting kidnapped. Now the, now the, the daily sacrifice in the temple, the, the sheep for that daily sacrifice in, in the temple, uh, which is in the old city, uh, those sheep were tended in the pastures of, of Bethlehem. And so these shepherds had kind of a semi-sacred occupation that, that may have influenced them. We have these lowly shepherds who most likely were tending sacrificial sheep and they were specifically chosen because of where they were in their status in life. And we find something very powerful about them. They believed the word because they had probably heard the word. Other people had heard the word and didn't believe it. Even the religious leaders of the day would, cruci- would cry, crucify Jesus. They, they, they heard the word openly, but they didn't believe it. But these shepherds who were looking, who were looking for something, had open hearts. The thing I love about this story is that we have to be ready for our suddenly. You know how many, I wonder how many times I have. I don't know how many people have probably missed the fulfillment of the promise of God in their life because they didn't wait. Like, I mean, God give you a promise, I want an instant answer. I think about the disciples with Jesus in the boat, and Jesus said, let's go to the other side, and between this shore and that shore, there was a storm. And then the disciples lost faith and started, you know, hollering, we're going to die. And, and Jesus calmed the storm, and they didn't make it to the other side. But what do we learn in that? Is that even if there's a storm in the midst of your promise period, if you will trust God, if you will trust 
the shepherd, you will reach provision. Even if between promise and provision, there's a storm. And I can't tell you how many times in my life, in between promise and provision, there was a storm. There are promises that I feel and I'm completely convinced that God gave to me in my life that I've been waiting. Some of them I've been waiting years, if not decades. Say, when's it going to come to pass? That Jesus looked at the disciples in Luke and he said this, I want you to tarry, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my Father. And so they went. They went, and the Bible says they went and found an upper room. They found a place, and they, they stayed there. But you know that, well, you know, many people believe that the 500 that the Apostle Paul was talking about that saw him, that he appeared to, were there when Jesus made the statement, go tarry. But we find that when we get to the book of Acts, about 120 of them were left. About 120 of the 500 were left. And what's remarkable is that you get to the second chapter of the book of Acts and it says this, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. It's like God suddenly don't work like our suddenly. But we, we better be there. We better be there when suddenly happens. And so we wait patiently in faith. And these shepherds, I believe, were waiting patiently in faith. And they received that word. The miracle has come. And they said, let's go immediately and see this. God's suddenly turned into there immediately. If you have a promise from the Lord, if you feel like the Lord has spoken a word over you in your life, and you're still waiting on the fulfillment my encouragement to you today is just trust the shepherd. Trust the shepherd. You know, when David was anointed king, it was years, it was decades before he became king. And the day before they crowned him king, his own people were saying, let's stone him. What a difference a day makes. When you wait patiently on God's suddenly. Would you stand with me today? I want us to pray. Father, I thank you right now for your word, for your hope and your help. I thank you for being in our lives as our good shepherd. I thank you that you have demonstrated in the Christmas story that You don't just walk among those with status symbols, but you walk among all of us, whatever our status may be. I pray right now over the lives of individuals in this room that, that may be waiting, may be waiting for your promise. And I pray that by your presence and by your spirit that we would just have the patience it takes. Let the fruit of the spirit of patience rest on our lives. That we will be in the field, that we'll be in the room, that we'll be in that place where your suddenly comes to pass for us.
I ask your blessing upon us this Christmas season. I pray your blessing upon us on Christmas Eve as we celebrate Christmas Eve together and reflect. I thank you for your love and your help, for your joy and for your peace. And I thank, I thank you, Lord, that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, your one and only. We give you praise for all of that in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's make some noise in the house. Yeah. <laughs> amen. Ah, God is so good. Ah, I know this is the season of giving. Thank you so much for all you've done to help us have toys available for the, for the um, children. I thank uh, Pastors Hannah and Pastor Karen for diligently doing all that you did to get the toys and arrange everything. Great team out there. The food bank team is a wonderful team. Um, yeah, God is good. And uh, appreciate so much your giving. We close our service with a time of giving. You can give one of four ways. You can give in the buckets today. You can mail, a, mail something in to P.O. Box 520 in Glenpool. You can also go to our website, TriumphTulsa.com. Or you can text to give that number right there. And that will help you out. God bless you. It's my prayer. Listen, uh, our, our candlelight service, they don't last long. So come join us Christmas Eve out at the farm. Um, I don't know if the, is the address in the bulletin this week. I don't know if it is. But um, uh, I know you can go on Facebook. A lot of us have liked it. Go on Facebook. If you haven't liked our Facebook page, you should anyway. Most of our announcements roll out there. Um, especially important is we are coming upon winter. And anytime we have inclement weather and need to, you know, uh, go just online with our service so that you don't get out and drive on the icy roads, that's the first place to look to see if we're having church. Look on that, look on the Facebook page, and we, we post that as soon as we make a decision. As soon as we make a decision, we post that on Facebook. So, yeah, like our Facebook page, Triumph Worship Center on Facebook. God bless you. Let me pray with the offering. Father, bless the gift and the giver and give us more than we need so we can be generous on every occasion in Jesus' name. God bless you, Pastor Reed. We'll dismiss you in a moment.